We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, everyone. Before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone an opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. On top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. The best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate that any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup alone. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out that description box to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com join. Welcome, Irish fans, to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I'm Vince Tadario. I am the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. And with me, as always, is Sir Brian Driscoll. He is the uh, the editor-in-chief. We're going to give you a new title. No, he's oh, the publisher. Nice. Been promoted? <laughs> That's, That's great. great. <laughs> I thought you'd like that. Uh, he is the uh, the publisher at irishbreakdown.com. And, uh, again, it is Alabama week. It is college football playoff week. And we are right back at you here. We, we had a podcast yesterday talking about the Notre Dame uh, 
offense versus the Alabama defense and how there are holes in that defense that Notre Dame can exploit. And uh, if you want that full breakdown, make sure you check out that podcast. But today we are going to talk about the Alabama offense versus the Notre Dame defense. And this, uh, as they said in the Wizard of Oz, Brian is a horse of a different color. And uh, there's not a whole lot of holes in this Mm -hmm. Alabama offense. As good as Notre Dame's defense is, and we'll we'll kind of subtract the the last outing by Notre Dame against Clemson uh, because that obviously was not their best outing, but uh, they're playing a better offense than Clemson has uh, coming up on January first. Sure, I mean, and they're better at almost every position except for one, and that's quarterback. Right. You know, and and, and even there, you know, Mac Jones is not the quarterback that Trevor Lawrence is, but he's the perfect trigger man for that offense, and that's yep. what makes him so good. Is you know, he's not a top ten NFL talent. He's just a guy that knows how to manage that offense. And Vince, it is, it is an explosive, explosive offense. And, you know, I, I wrote an article yesterday at, at IrishBreakdown.com, which we talked about. The Notre Dame offense is going to have to be the, the group that wins this, that wins this mm-hmm. game because even if the Notre Dame defense plays great, they're going get, get, to give up in the 30s. I mean, th- this is an Alabama offense that, you know, they scored 16 points in the, in the national title game against Clemson in 2018. Mm-hmm. Since that time, that's 24 games. They've scored at least 35 points in every single game. They've only Crazy. scored under 40 four times. Mm. Uh, you know, and, and, and their two losses, they're 22 and two during that stretch. And their two losses, they scored thir- 41 and 45 points. Now, in both games, they had a special teams touchdown. So, you know, they scored, you know, I think it was like 35, you know, 36 and, you know, uh, I forget what the other one was, 38, something like that. Uh, you know, so so this is an offense that flat out is going to score, and a great performance by the Notre Dame defense would be holding them to 34, 31 to 38 points. Yeah. yeah. If Notre Dame plays good defense, they're probably going to give up 38 to 45 points. I mean, that's just the reality of, of who this Alabama offense is. Weapons across the board, they can run, they can throw. And a lot of people talk about the fact that, you know, they lost Jalen Waddle, who was a dynamic receiver. Oh, man. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I think their offense is better without him, and it has really? nothing to do with him. It's kind of one of those things that if you look at their numbers before he got hurt, they were so reliant on the pass. They had, like, one really good rushing game against Ole Miss, and that's because it was like – they. If you, you watched that game, Vince. You broke it down. Oh, when it was raining. It was raining it was the nasty. whole time. Yeah, right. Yeah, <clears throat> and Alabama ran for 300 yards, but in their other games, they're 111, 109, 147, 170. Since Jalen Waddle's gone out, they've had 208, 226, 265, 216, 187. Their bad, quote-unquote bad game was 143 in a 29-point win over Auburn. So I think when he went out, and because the, they're, they're not as good at receiver after Devontae Smith. I mean, they're, they're, they're not. They're, they're good, but they're not dynamic. I would argue that right. Devontae Smith is going to be the best receiver on the field on Saturday. Devontae Smith is the best receiver in, in the country. Football. Yeah, I mean, it's not close. <laughs> but I would argue that Notre Dame's number two and number three are better than Alabama's, you know, number two, number three. John Meachie's really good, but I think he is a, a byproduct of all the attention that has to go sure. on other players. Absolutely. Uh, they're definitely, Notre Dame's definitely better at three. It's very debatable about the number two guy, very debatable, uh, but definitely number three that Notre Dame. And so my point is, Notre Dame's two and three can be, you can be in a debate about if they're as good talent wise as Alabama's two and three. What you can't debate is is number one, but without that really dynamic one two of Smith and Waddle, and then then Michi was number three. Right. 
you know, then all of a sudden, and, and their tight ends are decent players. They're not, they're not weapons, right? Um, they're in there for blocking more or less. Right, they're right. And, and, and they'll put in Billingsley who returned. It's funny. One of their tight ends returns kicks for him. He's kind of like their version of Tommy Tremble. Uh, but, um, you know, tight end is just it, – it's not, it, it's not an, a position that has to be important in their offense. It's not – you know, when, when they had O.J. Howard, it was, but it doesn't have to be. So the point is, Vince, is that when they lost Waddle, they became a much more balanced offense. Right. And I actually think it's made them better. I think it's – and I think it's also – in my opinion, Vince, it's really helped them with – that's partly why their defense improved because they were just – they could control the ball well, a little bit more effectively right. than they did before. And your they defense automatically gets better when they're not on the field. I mean, <laughs> imagine they, that. Crazy, right? <laughs> imagine that. But, no, I mean, offensively, though, Vince, they're just a – they're a really explosive dynamic group. They're, <clears throat> they're not only a legitimate big play threat on offense, every time the ball snapped, but they're also the number one third down offense in the country. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're converting 59.2% of their third downs. That's almost 3% better than the next best team, Texas A&M. So uh, this is a really, really, really good third down offense. And if, again, when you look at their production since Jalen Waddle went down, in their last five games, they're at 66.7, 60, 44.4 against LSU, 71.4 against Arkansas, and then 60% against Florida. So their third down rate has actually gone up since Jalen Waddle has gone down. And maybe they're not quite as explosive as they were with Waddle because he is just a, a tremendous, tremendous weapon. I mean, literally him and Devontae Smith, their threats to score every time they, they, they touch the ball. Right. But, again, it's made him a more efficient offense. Mm-hmm. And they're still, they're still plenty explosive. <laughs> oh, believe <laughs> you know I mean? me, they're plenty they're, explosive. They're, and, and so that's what makes them so good, Vince, is they're not just a – you know, 70 yards for a touchdown kind of offense. They are, they are sound. They are well coached. They are well schemed. They are a smart football team that doesn't hurt themselves. And they're a balanced football team. And I mean balanced in the traditional sense, not a, not a 50-50 run versus pass, you know, number of plays standpoint. But I mean is they're very good running the ball, especially in the last five, six games of the year. They're very good throwing the ball. They're, they can be efficient when they need to. They can be explosive when they need to. And they're very balanced from a standpoint of they have different weapons. You could take Najee Harris and Devontae Smith out of the game if, if, you know, let's say you're able to do that, and you still now have to worry about John Michi being in one-on-ones against certain players that are, are going to be an advantage for him. So, you know, and then they can bring other backs off the off the bench. They can then start using their tight ends, you know, because like yeah. I said, Jaleel Billingsley is a guy that they could bring in to to make some play. So, so they're a really Vince. They're a really balanced offense that is just impossible to stop. The only hope that you can have is that you can force them into some mistakes, mm-hmm. and they don't make a lot. You have that's why I say you have to force mistakes. They're not just going to lay the ball on the ground a whole lot, and you have to hope that you can. You can you know, hold some, hold some, some plays. You know, some big plays, turn them into field goals. You know, turn sure. some red zone trips into field goals. Make them make some mistakes, and just keep the points down enough to where your own offense has a chance to beat them. Because that's been the formula the last two years, right? You know, the, the last two teams to beat to beat Alabama was last year was LSU with Joe Burrow beat them forty six to forty one in a game that wasn't really as close as the final score dictated. You remember Vince? I think LSU was up like thirty three to thirteen at one point in time. But that's how Alabama is, man. They are when they need to be explosive, they can be. They can come back, and then of course they lost a, 
to Auburn when after Tua got hurt, they lost to Auburn 48 to 45. I mean, so this is a team, Vince. Still that, putting up points, man. You know, you look at their only loss in 2018, the team that beat them scored 44. You know, uh, you go back to 2017, they lost to Auburn 26 to 14. But, you know, as we talked about, that was a different version of that offense. That was the Jalen Hurts offense. Uh, that was still very much a ball control running running type of team. This this team, Vince, as you as you talk about, is is much much different. So if I was um, if I just landed from the moon and I, I was talking to you about Alabama, and uh, you know, and I know my football, so I want to you know ask you about Alabama, and and I want to know what kind of scheme that they run. Like what what kind of offense is Alabama running? uh in in you know this season and, and really the last few seasons well they're they're very much a a, a modern pro style offense mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways Vince and, and it's not surprising when you consider who their their offensive coordinator is Steve Sarkeesian you know he's a guy that came from the NFL he's been in and out of the NFL his whole career obviously he was formerly the head coach at USC and Washington uh was a quarterback's coach at USC during some of their their great years um, mm-hmm. it, it's a, it's a pro style offense in, in the, the modern auto style form, you know, they're very multiple with their formations. You know, you think about all these great receivers they have, and, and then I'm watching the SEC title game. And I think the first couple of series events, they were in two tights the whole time, yeah. you know, doing different looks. And so, uh, running the ball, doing play action off of it. Uh, they're really good at doing a couple different things. They're very, they, they do a lot of vertical stretches. Now, uh, there's there's two types of pass concepts can can in very basic terms be be put into two categories right and this is a very basic if you really wanted to get into an in-depth conversation there's you know there's triangle concepts but there really can be down in two concepts it's horizontal and vertical vertical is essentially you're you're stretching the defense north south so if you have a five-yard crosser a 12-yard in and a post route over top that's actually considered a vertical stretch ironically four vertical concept when you're running four receivers vertically so outside go route outside go route two inside seam routes that's technically considered a horizontal stretch because you're stretching a defense left to right they mix those up really well Vince and and they do a lot of different things where you know one of the things we talked about in yesterday's podcast when we talked about Notre Dame offense is they don't do enough things where they're just going to kind of do what they do Alabama does that to a degree but they mix things up every game. You know, there's going to be games where you're going to see Devontae Smith lined up in the slot more than he's lined up outside. There's going to be games where he's outside more than he's in the slot, but every game he's all over the place. Right. And it's because they do such a great job of saying, okay, here's our best players. How can we get our best players isolated against, you know, the the areas where we think we can get them going, you know? So when you look at Devontae Smith, for example, he's going to beat you with screens. He's going to beat you with quick routes. He's going to beat you with crossers and drags. I think his first big play against Florida was a great clear out where they used two receivers to the left of the formation to kind of run almost like vertical routes, but they kind of did it at like a 45 degree angle. They weren't really like double posts. It was kind of like, you know, almost like straight arrows. And then they cleared the defense out, and then Devontae Smith came on like a delay cross, and then he climbed to get behind the defense. And it was just – you knew what they were trying to do. They were, they sure. were manipulating the defense to get Devontae Smith open, um, you know, into a certain zone. So just such a well-coached offense, Vince. And then, of course, they can run the ball. You know, they'll run outside zone, inside zone. They'll run counters, powers. They have a nice blend of, 
of gap scheme and man scheme, or excuse me, gap scheme and zone scheme. And, uh, and it's, a, it's an efficient offense too, Vince. They're not out there just chucking it just to chuck it. You know, right. when, they're, when they're taking their shots downfield, they're designed shots. They are, sure. we want to take this shot, so we're going to design a scheme to get Devontae the ball or Najee Harris on a wheel route and those kind of things. So it's, a, it's very much a, a, a pro-style offense, but it, like I said, it's the modern pro-style, which you see teams like the Rams and the Packers and teams like that use where – you're actually using your pass game as the foundation of it, and then your run game as a complement to the pass game, which is completely 180 from what Alabama used to be. But it's effective. Oh, yeah, I could, you could say that. Uh, I, I want to get in here, and I want to talk about some individual personnel. And you, you brought up some of the, some of the flashy names, and, and, and I want to get into a little bit more in depth into that. But before we do, we need to hear from one of our main sponsors, and that is Indeed. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical, and Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, and that's according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. And unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. You can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. According to Comscore, 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. are visiting Indeed each month. So it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. And that's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions do apply. Welcome back, Irish fans. And we are talking Alabama offense versus Notre Dame defense uh, in this podcast. And, uh, whew, man, there are uh, a lot of names here, a lot of guys mm-hmm. that, can, uh, that can hurt Notre Dame, that have hurt, uh, you know, Alabama opponents all season, so much so that uh, Alabama has three offensive guys uh, in the top five of the Heisman voting. So that's pretty decent. Uh, I believe that's the first time in many, many years. Uh, I think two of happened. them deserve to be in there, but your point is, is you know, it's, yeah. the quarterback of a team like Alabama is always going to get a lot more hype. And, and Mac Jones is a good quarterback, don't get me wrong, but, you know, He's not when the best player in college when you're When you're thrown to Devontae Smith and you've got Najee Harris as a runner and a pass catcher, life's a lot easier. Absolutely it is. Uh, but you, you said it yourself, he is the best trigger man for this Great offense. Great trigger man yeah. for that offense. Absolutely. So he, he gets the ball where it needs to go. I mean, he's nothing special himself. Uh, throws a pretty Physically, long ball. 
physically. Right, that, right, that's right, what right. Vince is referring to. And, and I've watched him take a couple of sacks. I mean, you could blow on him and he's going to fall over. But um, He's you know, not the most the, mobile guy in the world. No. Not so much. Uh, <laughs> the one guy, I think, touched him on the shoulder pad and he went down. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. Like I said, very pro-style <laughs> system and quarterback. <laughs> he's already got like the, the NFL quarterback <laughs> part mastered. Like, yes, he does. Oh, my God. Somebody's within five yards. Yeah, oh. He's got a grand total of minus nine rushing yards in the season. So he is yes. not uh, – it's going to look a lot different than what Notre Dame fans saw against sure. Clemson, which is more of a traditional college spread type of offense. Which Notre Dame has done better against mm-hmm. defensively up to this point. Right. Uh, they, they've given up 101 yards on sacks. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's, that's why he has minus nine yards rushing. But uh, I digress. We need to start talking about some personnel. And uh, some of the guys that don't get the accolades uh, are up front on that offensive line. And – uh, and I say they don't get the accolades, but they are a finalist along with Notre Dame for the Joe Moore Award, which is for the best offensive line in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're pretty darn good. And like Notre Dame, they're missing their starting center mm-hmm. uh, who went out, I believe, last game. Uh, yeah, very late in the game. Fourth yeah. quarter, I believe, is uh, Landon Dickerson you're referring to. Yes, sir. Uh, so they are going to be without their center because he had a season-ending injury to his knee. Uh, so – They've got to replace their center. Notre Dame is still looking for – I mean, they know who's going to be there, but they're still looking for production from that position. Uh, so there, there's that similarity. But let, let's, let's talk about this offensive line, Brian, because as I'm watching the film and, uh, you know, Alabama drops back to pass, Mac Jones has a pretty clean pocket, yeah. I would say, 99% of the yeah. time. Uh, and he is able to do pretty much anything he wants back there. And when they're running the ball, they are reestablishing the line of scrimmage in their favor down the line. There was a, there was one play, and I can't remember which game it was that I was watching, uh, but the running back got the ball and didn't make contact with the offensive line or the offensive line area until they were four yards down the field from where the mm-hmm. original line of scrimmage was. I mean, that's amazing. That, yeah. that, that is – that's some serious work by the offensive line. There, well, and, and – you know, we've talked about there's some areas where, where Alabama's a, a lot different than they used to be, and there's areas where Alabama's kind of the same that they used to be. Right. Uh, one of the areas where they're the same as they used to be is they're massive along the offense. Oh, my line. goodness, yes. Um, and, you know, they're, they're Alex Leatherwood, their left tackle, 6'6", 312. He's their smallest offensive lineman you know, of the starters. I mean – the guy that's going to replace Landon Dickerson, I imagine it's going to be Chris Owens, who's a redshirt senior. He's 6'3", 315. Their left guard, Deontay Brown, is 6'4", 350. And that's probably being kind. Yeah. 350. It's a big boy. Right guard, Emil Echior, who's a Indiana native, by the way. He was a high school teammate of Marquis Stepp at Cathedral. Uh, he is 6'3", 324. Their right tackle, Evan Neal, is 6'7", 360, and he's every bit of 360. And, and surprisingly nimble 360, yeah, if you've fine. watched him play. Um, he was actually the tackle that I wrote about and in, in when I talked about the the three offensive players that I, when I wrote about it at Irish Breakdown that you have to be concerned about. Alex Leatherwood gets all the attention because he's the veteran, he's a senior, and he's a very good player at left tackle. But mm-hmm. I think when their offense is at its best running the ball, it's because Evan Neal's getting going. Because he's such a big, massive, just yeah. a really talented uh, run blocker, and, and and a pretty decent pass blocker. Because even when he isn't maybe necessarily beating a guy with athleticism to the edge, he's so big and long that it's almost hard to get around him. He reminds me a lot of you know last year when Josh Lug was playing right tackle. Mm-hmm. There'd be snaps, Vince, where 
you know, an edge rusher would beat Josh off the ball, but he's six seven with really long arms. He could just kind right. of get his arms on him and just kind of ride him. the guy away. And Evan Neal has yeah. a lot of that too. Yeah, sure. So that's the first thing, you know, you talked about Vince, you talked about the ability to push people around. I don't think they did that a lot early. I really don't. I know okay. like early in the season, you watched the Ole Miss game as one of the games you broke down and they mm -hmm. did do it that game because again, it was a wet rainy day. But if you watch a lot of those other games, like the first two games of the year, they weren't running the ball overly effectively. Uh, I mean, it was kind of interesting to watch it. Like, they weren't even trying to run the ball. I mean, against Missouri, they ran for 111 yards, 3.1 per carry. Against Texas A&M, they ran for 109 yards, 3.9 per carry. Right. They weren't pushing people around. And I think at the time, their offensive line wasn't really playing really well as a unit. They were having to replace Jedrick Wills, who was the first-round pick at tackle last year for them at right tackle. And so they, were, they had some guys moving around. And – and so when I looked at them, they just weren't a great unit. As the years year has gone on, they're much, much better as a five-man group. They're a lot like Notre Dame in that regards. Notre Dame has individual, very talented individual blockers. Mm -hmm. But the thing you and I have talked about all year, Vince, is they play great as one. Yeah. And Alabama's to that point, too. And, and you know this as an offensive coordinator, Vince. It's great to have elite talent. But if you have good players and those five good players play as one, you're going to have a really good offensive line. When you have yeah. multiple great players in that group and they can play as one, that's how you become a Joe Moore finalist. And then we've seen the same thing with Notre Dame. There's some great players in Notre Dame, but there was great players in the 2016 offensive line and it wasn't a really good offensive line. Sure. 2017, that's basically the same group, starts playing better as a unit and they become the best offensive line in college football and the best sure. offensive line in Notre Dame's had in 30 years. So that to me is what makes this Bama line so good. Well, and, and you know, you, you mentioned how important the offensive line is and playing together as a group. I mean, look, as the offensive coordinator, I didn't have a position to coach, so I spent the vast majority of my time with the offensive line and the offensive line coach uh, because that's where it starts and finishes. Uh, in, in any offense I've ever called, it's the offensive line. They're, they're going to make you look good, right? They can, they can take an average back and make them look great. They can make an average quarterback look great too because he's got time to do things, right? So – uh, offensive line is very, very important. And Alabama, uh, they they have a history of having good offensive lines, and this one is no different. Uh, th this is going to be uh, the best offensive line that, that Notre Dame has faced all season. And so it's going to be an interesting matchup between Notre Dame's defensive front and this offensive line. There's no question. One of the matchups to watch most likely. Um, but uh, they're going to have their hands full. There is no question about it. And I think they can be had. I, I do. I, I think that you can get pressure on them. I, I think that one of the things that allowed Florida to, to kind of stay in that game and get back in that game is that they were able to put some pressure on them. I thought that Georgia did a good job putting pressure on Mac Jones in the first half. The yep. problem is, is the way that this offense is run, if you can get six or seven hits on the quarterback, that's really good. You've had a good day, but they're going to throw the ball 30-plus times. And on those other 20 that, you know, you don't get a hit on them. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're beating you. And, right. and that's the concern is, you know, you can't rush the quarterback every single play, meaning right. you can't get to the quarterback every single play. You can try to rush them every – You're not going to you're not gonna get to them. Yeah, so that's going to require Clark Lee to be very creative, you know. I mean, so, so – and that's the pickle they put you in. Do you keep playing your base defense and hope that you can get a four-man pressure or do you heat them up? Mm -hmm. You know, do you bring six, seven guys in hopes of getting the quarterback? Well, that, that may work, but – the times you don't get to them, they're hitting Devontae Smith or John Mechie on a crossing route or a quick slant or something like that, and they're, they're crushing you. 
do you drop eight and then say, well, we would rather them run the ball on us than to, you know, where we can rally to the ball and to throw it over our head. So because of how big and physical their offensive line is and, and how they're really they're, – I, I, I don't think they're a great offensive pass-blocking team, but I think because they're so big, they're harder to get around. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, that makes sense. Absolutely. And, and so then they put you in that bind, that, a really tough bind, because the great thing about this offense, Vince – when you watch it play, even on the deeper drops, the, the deeper throws, Mac Jones is not sitting in that pocket looking through eight reads. He's making his reads, and he's hitting his drop, and he's throwing in rhythm. And that's what I think really makes this offense good. If you can get Mac Jones out of rhythm where he's got to go to his second, third, and fourth read, that's where you might be able to have some success, and that's going to require more, more work on the back end than up front. And so, you know, that's the, that's the question mark is, you know, do you drop eight? and say, okay, they're going to run on us, but we've got players we think can, can have some success. Or, uh, you know, d- d- but then it's like, but Mac Jones is just sitting there. He's a statue in the pocket. He's not going to run. He's not going to run. New. And if, Mac and if you Jones get any is, kind of pressure on him, he's not going to step into his throws, number one. Right. He, he shies away from contact uh, in the games that I've seen. And mm-hmm. when he does that, he's not as accurate. He'll throw right. it at the feet of a receiver or he'll throw right. it out of bounds or whatever. Getting pressure on number 10 is going to be crucial Mm -hmm. in this game. Easier said than done. Don't get me wrong. But when you can get pressure on him, he's not very good. Right. Right. It's, I mean, diagnosing the, the prop or the way to beat it is one thing actually going out and doing it is a complete different thing because they are, they are so good. And, And like with any great offense, it starts up front. No doubt. No doubt. So let, let's move on to the next level. Um, you know, we talked about the fact that Jalen Waddle is not going to play in this game. He's, he's been out for a while now. He's a dynamic. Uh, I think, honestly, I, what, what I think they missed the most, not having him in the game, and you said earlier in the pod that uh, they're a more balanced offense without him. I think they miss him in the return game oh, yeah. most. Uh, that's, oh, yeah. where, that's where he's dynamic. Holy smokes. Um, so from a Notre Dame standpoint, I'm glad that he's out, uh, especially from that standpoint. But, uh, you know, they've still got the best player in college football, in my opinion, Devontae Smith. And what he is able to do at the wide receiver position, man, he is the quarterback's best friend. I mean, the, the way that he can get open. And they, they, you know, some of the games that I was watching, they ISOed on him and, and the way he was running his routes, et cetera. The man is covered. The man is covered the entire play. But he finds a way to get open at the top end of his route Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he finds a way if the quarterback starts to move around a little bit to get open, he comes back to the football every time. And it, it, look, you've coached wide receivers. I've coached wide receivers. We tell them all the time, you got to come back to the football. You mm-hmm. have to make your quarterback look good. You got to help him out. But he actually does it. You right. know, I mean, he does it every single time and you always see his momentum coming back towards the quarterback. Um, but then he can change direction on a dime. I mean, th- th- he's got speed. He's the total package as a mm-hmm. wide receiver. There is no question about it. Other than size. Um, That's the yeah, only thing he's sure. missing. No, he, he's not the 6'4 guy, obviously. Right. Um, but, man, he is so good. And, and he's just, like I said, he's just so good at the top end of his routes, coming back and just getting open for his quarterback. You know, I'm gonna, uh, you know what people forget, Vince, is um, last year with Jerry Judy, who was a first-round pick, and right. Henry Ruggs, who was a first-round pick, uh, neither one of those guys led Alabama in receiving yards or receiving touchdowns. So it was Devontae Smith. People, mm-hmm. people forget that. Um, Jerry Judy led him in catches, but it was Devontae Smith that led him in yards and, and touchdowns. And I'll, I'll say this. If you are a 
high school or college football coach and you work with receivers, or if your son is a, is a wide receiver or aspiring wide receiver, right? It is much Jerry Judy tape as you can. Because he reminds me so Jerry much. Jerry Judy or Devontae Smith? I'm sorry. Devon, well, Jerry Judy too, but Devontae right. Smith, uh, <laughs> both of them. But Devontae Smith is – because Jerry Judy does some things as a route runner that you're like, I can't teach that. Right. Because he's so sudden. Right. You, you need a freaky level of suddenness to do the things he does. Devontae Smith is a really good athlete, but he is such a well-coached, smart athlete and that's where I don't think he gets as much credit because people think well you know he's Alabama he's a freaky five-star athlete he's no he's not he is about as he is about as precise of a football player as I've seen at that position in a long time he reminds Mm -hmm. me so much you remember back when Miami um the last time the U was great you know the early 2000s late 90s early 2000s I remember watching Santana Moss and especially Reggie Wayne, and I'm like, not only are these guys great athletes, but they are so well coached. Curtis Johnson was their receivers coach back then. He was a guy that I studied when I first got it, got into coaching uh, because he put such a premium on precision, even, you know, again, even when you have elite athletes. But the thing about precision is it translates even when you don't have a great, a great athlete. But when you have a great athlete and you teach them how to play, he's yep. almost unguardable. Yep. And that's really where Devontae Smith is because, you know, there's other than being 6'4, 230, like Chase Claypool, there's nothing he lacks. I mean, he's only six foot six one is what he's listed as, but he plays bigger than that, Vince, because he has incredibly long arms. Right. Uh, you know, so he can kind of go up and make tough catches. He, he's an, almost impossible to jam at the right at the line of scrimmage because he he understands how to win at the line, but he also has such quick feet. And also his arm length helps him there too because he can really work, use his hands to keep you off of his body. And then his stems are excellent. You know, he understands leverage. He knows how to manipulate DBs. He knows that whether you're going to bite on the first move or the second move, so he knows if he has to kind of lean you one way, then snap and then go, or if it's just a lean and a go. I mean, his understanding of how to play the game of football is so good and so impressive. And, you know, he's great against man. He's going to beat you on quick. They actually run slants and stuff. Uh, I know we haven't really seen that at Notre Dame in a while, but, like, Alabama <laughs> actually runs, like, slant <laughs> Um And uh, he's so good at Amazing. it. I mean, he really is. I mean, it's so hard to get separation like that against, against uh, on quick routes. Mm-hmm. You know, slants and hitches and stuff are, are supposed to be man beaters or zone beaters, right? But – and he can do both, but like his ability to get immediate separation out of his breaks is just the difference between catching a slant for a seven yard gain on third and five or catching a slant and going 40 yards. I mean, right. that's the difference. It's, it's how much immediate separation can you get? Uh, he's good at finding soft spots in the zone. And even though he's listed, I think at 172 pounds, he makes a lot of catches over the middle of the field. He makes a lot of catches in traffic. He will go up and expose his chest to a defensive back uh and 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 just go i mean he vince i don't know i don't know if i've seen a receiver with his all-around skill set and he's fast but he's not henry ruggs fast you know he plays faster i I won't be shocked if he runs a mid to high four four at the combine Mm -hmm. maybe he'll get in a low four two because alabama's got you know the guys get those great trainers but he's not he's not henry ruggs fast right he plays fast you know, because he gets to, he gets to that, that full speed on that first step. I mean, and he's just, there's no wasted movement with this kid's game. None. I mean, everything he does has a purpose. 
and it makes them so hard to, to grab. And then the other part of it is, and, and I'm sure you've noticed this from watching down, watching the film, Vince, it is so hard to defend him because you never know where he's going to be. Right. He's going to be at a different spot er, almost Smart. every time the ball is snapped. He, you, he's going to be in the slot. He's going to be on the field outside. He's going to be in the boundary outside. He'll go in motion. You, you just you just never – you can't just say, hey, we're going to put Kyle Hamilton over top of him because you never know which side of the line of scrimmage he's going to be on. He's going to be left, right, field, boundary. You just don't know. Uh, and, and that also is another area that makes him hard to defend because he can he can play he could play every snap from the slot and dominate. He could play every snap outside and dominate, and that's hard to find. There aren't a lot of guys that can can. There are guys that can be great outside and good inside, or good in you know great inside and good outside. There aren't many guys that can be great at both, and and he can be, and that just makes him so much harder to defend. Isn't isn't that just good coaching though too to to put him in position to be successful. Mm -hmm. I realize he's the kind of guy that you could put anywhere he's going to be successful. Mm -hmm. But if you're looking for matchups and you're looking for, you know, ways to to get your guy the advantage, you know, lining him up in the slot, lining him up in the field, lining him up in the boundary. I mean, that I feel like that's coaching 101. You mm -hmm. want to put your guys in position to be successful. And they're doing that, but they're also putting themselves in position so the team can be successful because he's right. just good. Right. And, and that's the thing. It, it is coaching 101, but, you know, if I'm trying to do that with a, you know, and I'm not trying to say this like disrespectfully, like if I'm trying to do that with Ben Skoranek, that's going to work for Ben and Ben's going to be a good player, but it's not going to be game changing. Right. Yeah. That's, you know, ben, Ben's a good player. I think if Ben Skoranek was used in similar fashion to Devonte Smith, I think it'd be more effective at Notre Dame because he could move all around and get different matchups, but it's going to be like chain moving good. You, you know, he would have more sure. catches, more yards, but sure. not a, he's not the kind of guy that forces you to change your entire game plan. And, and to your point, that's what, that's what makes Devontae Smith special is not only is he used correctly, but wherever he lines up, he, he can beat anyone you have. I right. mean, right. And, and that's the thing is, is he's so hard to defend uh and, and you know you put a big guy on him he can outrun him and he's got great great leaping ability i mean you know it's it's you could say well you know he's he's only 6 foot 6 1 but when you look at how quickly and how high he gets off the ground and then you look at the timing of i mean the catch he made against LSU the one-handed catch he made against LSU i mean he's so high off the ground i mean he's he's like a 6 4 guy 6 5 right, guy right. when you look at the, his leaping ability plus his arm length so he can play bigger than he is and I think those are the things that just make him um, such a special player, Vince. You have to spend so much time defending him and game planning for him and wondering where is he going to be that it makes it harder to defend those sure. other guys. And the yeah. other part of it too, Vince, is they're really good at manipulating, using him to manipulate your defense to create other opportunities. They'll use him to get Najee Harris in a uh, matchup that they like. Sure. You know, or John Mechian in a matchup they like, you know, where – they may say, hey, we think Notre Dame is going to have Kyle Hamilton really, you know, uh, playing over top of um, Devontae Smith, right? So we think we can use that to get John Mechie in a matchup that we like. Or we can move somebody else around to get him in a matchup that we like. Uh, and, and, again, that just adds to his ability. He can impact the game. And this is how Will Fuller was at Notre Dame. Will Fuller didn't have to catch six balls for 120 yards to impact the game. Sometimes – Chris Brown having a big game or Alizé Mack back then or, or the running game, you know, going off was because of Will Fuller because they were so worried about not letting Will Fuller dominate sure. them. that It allowed other people to make plays and hurt them. 
And that's the kind of impact Devontae Smith has. Different kind of player, whereas Will Fuller's more of a, a vertical player. Devontae Smith can do that, but he's more of a you know 20 and under kind of guy where he does most of his damage. The, the impact is the same. Different sure. style of player, but sure. the impact is the same. So we know how good Devontae Smith is, and Notre Dame fans are going to get a front row seat uh, to that on January 1st. Uh, but the number two man now uh, is John Mechie, and you, you've mentioned him a couple times. He's got 44 catches, 782 yards, six touchdowns. He actually His average is actually higher than Devontae mm-hmm. Smith, but Devontae Smith also has 98 catches, so you're dividing by a lot more. Uh, but uh, the, the cat can play, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he averages 71 yards a game. Uh, he is a benefit of the fact that people are going to have their focus on Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, l- let's talk about, you know, uh, Mechie and, you know, anybody else that, that uh, Alabama is going to throw out there because Najee Harris is actually the third leading receiver for Alabama. And, and mm-hmm. then Jalen Waddle comes in fourth, but he only played five games. Uh, and then you, you fall all the way down to uh, Forstall. He's got 20 catches. Bolden's got 19 catches. Um, so it's a pretty big drop. They're all complimentary players. At, no question. Yeah. And, and, and Mechie's a complimentary player too. I mean, let's mm-hmm. be honest. But, but he's an effective he's gonna, uh, yes. complimentary player, right? So talk about those guys here real quick. Well, you know what's funny about Mechie, Vince, is he's a, he's a Maryland, D.C. area kid. And I remember watching him out of high school. Notre Dame offered him, didn't really get much traction. And, you know, when a kid from that area likes Bama, it's, it's, it, he's <laughs> not going to Notre Dame, right? Right. Um, so it's not one where I fault the staff. It just, I got a chance to watch him in high school. And, and the thing, I actually liked him more as a safety than I did as a receiver. Hmm. And I think that he's – in the Florida game, he was the guy. Do you remember that early interception that Mac Jones threw? And another and a, and a Bama player came up and just laid trading out and forced the fumble. That was Mechie. Yeah, and I was like, right. that's why I thought he could play safety in college. <laughs> you know, he's, a, he's more of a physical specimen. He's six foot, I think about 190, 195. I'm looking at the depth chart now. They list him at six foot, 195. Um, still a younger player, physical football player, Vince. Like, he's a guy that can break tackles. He's a guy that can stretch the field. He's got the speed. He's more of, he's more of the exact opposite of Devontae Smith, though. He's more of a really good athlete that's still learning to play the receiver position. Now, mm-hmm. when, when he continues to develop, because I think they do a great job coaching wide receivers at Alabama, as he spends more time being only a wide receiver, you know, because, again, he was a two-way player in high school and a really, really good two-way player in high school. Like, again, he was kind of like he, – he reminded me – him and Xavier Watts are very similar players okay. in that the defensive staff probably would love to have John Mechie on that side of the ball as well. And that's the kind of impact I think Xavier Watts can have at Notre Dame. I think Mechie's a little bit faster, but that's what I see in, in Xavier Watts is, is that guy that can be a vertical player. He can do things after the catch. He can do things in traffic, not only because he's a good athlete, but he's strong. Sure. You know, so a cornerback's going to try to go low on him, and he's got those thick legs. He can just kind of bounce off of you. And so he's a really good complement to Devontae Smith because he's more of a vertically oriented and an after-the-catch oriented player. And to your point, you know, that's why he averages 17.8 yards per catch. Sure. Which I believe is, is the best of their receivers that are still healthy. Right. And so, you know, whereas Devontae Smith is going to catch that seven-yard, you know, stop route on, to convert a third and five, that's, that ball's not going to Mechie a lot. You know, and so that's going to bring Devontae Smith yards per carry average down a little bit because he's, sure. like you said, that 98-yard – that 98, you know, catches, catches is yeah. he's getting a lot more of those quick throws. Where Mechie is the guy you got to worry about throwing over the top. Gotcha. And uh, 
and, and that's where they, they, they utilize him well. I think they do a really nice job of saying, hey, here's what this kid can do well. We're not going to ask him to do the things we asked Devontae Smith to do. Sure. Because he's not as good of a, a, an all-around player, right? So they take a really good young athlete, and they say, here's what he does well, and they tailor the game plan to what he does well. Yeah, and they don't sense. ask him to do things that he, that he can't do. Sure. Now, as he has gotten more experience this year, however, you're seeing his, his overall repertoire as a receiver is getting better because he's playing more. Right. And so he is going to be more and more effective the more he plays. But he's a really nice complimentary player. And honestly, you know, Vince, when you, when you look at the rest of their skill players, I mean, Slade Bolden is, is, a, is a rotation player. You know, Xavier Williams is a good young player, but he's, he's not – He's not a, you know, a Jerry Judy, a Calvin Ridley, a, a Julio Jones, where he's going to be a really dynamic player as a freshman. You know, he reminds me a lot of the, the Williams that Notre Dame just faced at Clemson, yeah. you know, where he's more of a co- young complimentary player, not going to take a game over. But if you, you think you can just single cover him all game, you know, he can make a play or two that, that can give you some damage. So, I mean, the interesting thing about this, Vince, is if you can somehow – figure out a way to, to keep Devontae Smith from taking this game over. Now you get into a situation where we'll, we'll talk some matchups about the running back position, but if you can somewhat keep Najee Harris in check and Devontae Smith in check, that's <laughs> it's again, a daunting task, it, but, but yeah. It, it's easier said than done, but, but my point is when you looked at like Clemson back in 2018, well, if you can stop T. Higgins and Travis Etienne, you still had to worry about Justin Ross and Hunter Renfro right? There's more depth of impact players. Okay. You know, if you could somehow, you know, back in 2015, if you could somehow stop, you know, Will Fuller and CJ Procise, you still had to worry about Chris Brown, Amir Carlisle, and Josh Adams, right? Uh, there, there was much more depth of impact players. And, and we saw that last year with Alabama, right? If you could somehow stop Devontae Smith and Jerry Judy, you still had to worry about Henry Ruggs and Jalen Waddle and Najee Harris. You get my point? No, absolutely. Year, yeah. Because Jalen Waddle's gone. I mean, if you think about it, of those four great receivers Alabama had last year, there's only one left. Yeah. And that's Devontae Smith. Now, he's phenomenal, but you don't have that depth of sure. impact players at that position. So, like your, your, your pick your poison situation. Right. So it's almost thing if you're a defense, I'm going to make this guy beat us. A lot of teams aren't capable of doing that. We don't know if Notre Dame's capable of doing that. But sure. if you're Notre Dame, you're going to have to say, we're going to have to figure out a way to make someone other than Devontae Smith beat us. I, and I think that's a good way to go because if you're Clark Lee and you're any defensive coordinator, your mm-hmm. job is, to, okay, you need to pinpoint who the best player on the other side of the ball is. And you say, we can't let that person beat us, right. period. That's in basketball. Right. That's in football. That's whatever. You can't let your best player beat it. Well, the best player is Devontae Smith. Mm-hmm. Not close. He's the best player. Right. Very close. I mean, I should say very close, but close enough is Najee Harris. Mm-hmm. He's the next guy. Now, I think that Notre Dame can be successful shutting him down without doing a whole lot of crazy stunts and, and, and things of that nature. They're pretty good against the run. So that, that, that there's a path to Notre Dame being successful. And again, we, we use that word successful kind of in air quotes, right? Because, right. It's not, you know, some people aren't going to think it's When we talk successful. successful, it means keep them in the 30s. Yeah. If you can man. somehow keep yes. them in the 30s. Yes, absolutely. Right. Then you're worried about Mac Jones, I guess. But if he doesn't have Devontae Smith and he doesn't have Najee Harris, there's not a whole lot of other guys that he can right. go to. Again, 
this is Alabama. This is big boy football. We're not talking about a drop off, you know, to a to a, a group of five, you know, receiver or something. There's still I mean, no disrespect to this, but it's not like if you can take Chase Claypool out of the game and and Cole Komet, your next option's Chris Fink. Right. And I mean no Thank disrespect you. there, but, but, you know, Chris Fink's a nice yeah. player, but there's a reason Chris Fink was undrafted and isn't currently on an NFL roster, right? Right. That's not the kind of next option that Alabama has. Correct. Um, you know, and, and that's that's kind of the point. That no, absolutely. Like, so, I mean, th- there is a pass. So, let's talk about Najee Harris, what he's able to bring to the table. As I'm watching the film, I see a guy, again, he's a Heisman Trophy uh, top five. Uh, he's not a finalist, but he's close. Um I see a guy who's got patience in the backfield. Mm-hmm. I see a guy who's got burst in the backfield. I see a guy who's got power. Mm-hmm. Those are three pretty darn good traits, and he can catch the ball out of the backfield as well. So uh, while he wasn't used uh, the most effectively at the beginning of the season, as you had mentioned, uh, now that Waddle is out, they are definitely using 22. He's pretty darn good. I like how you put power at the end of that. Because it is interesting that he can he can be powerful when he wants to be. Yeah. But he doesn't run like your typical 6'2", 230-pound back. Agreed. And, that's why it was and, my last thing. Right. That's, yeah. He can when he wants to, but he is a very nimble athlete for mm-hmm. 6'2", 230. You know, he's mm-hmm. a guy – I think the first thing you mentioned was patience. I think that is really the, the key to Najee Harris's success. He's a very patient runner. And, mm-hmm. and, and honestly – with the kind of offensive line that they have, I think you need that. And, and you mentioned a point, you said something earlier, Vince, where you talked about how they can just move people off the ball. Well, when you have a guy like Najee Harris, that can work because he'll just kind of, you know, read, it. read, yeah, read, and yeah. okay, now there's a hole, let me hit it, you right. know. And he does have a good burst. You know, he's not a burner. You know, he's not a no. guy. But he's athletic enough and fast enough to where if there's a hole there, he's going to hit it and, and he could rip off a big run because he's a really good athlete. He's just, you know, again, when we talk burner, he's not, he's not, he's not Chris Tyree fast, you know, but right. you don't need Dexter Williams showed as long as you can get to full speed quickly, you don't need to sure. be a 4 4. Well, and there's a know? difference between speed and burst. Right. I, I want to make that clear. Burst Explain is, that because I think, yeah. Because that's where I think a lot of people, Vince, when we talk about Dexter Williams, were surprised that he ran a mid to high four five, you and I weren't because there's a difference between speed and burst. So explain that because it, it, for a running back, if you can only have one of the two. I'm taking burst all day right. long. Absolutely. Right. So, so burst is suddenness through the hole. Basically, you're zero to 60, right? It's getting up to your top speed quickly. It's, it's seeing the hole and bursting through it. That's, mm-hmm. that's what burst is. Frontline speed is great, don't get me wrong, but that doesn't mean you're going to get through the hole that fast because it mm-hmm. might take you, if you're a track star, for example, uh, and you're really good at the 200 or the 400, it takes a minute to get up to that top speed. Now, if you have that ability in football and you have the space to get up to that top speed, great. Mm-hmm. But in football, I would rather have my player have that burst, that, that mm-hmm. suddenness through the hole, that quickness through the hole. Maybe they don't have that top end. Maybe they get caught from behind or, or what have you. I'm okay with that because more often than not, it's that burst that's going to get me yards and move the chains. So uh, that's what he has. He's got that burst, that suddenness to get him through the hole. He's more Dexter Williams than he was Josh Adams. Sure. And that's – for Notre Dame fans, that's a perfect comparison. Yeah, absolutely. Josh Adams didn't have a great burst. But once he got out there, acceleration. 
if he got through the first line, you were not going to catch him. Correct. I think I only remember Josh Adams getting caught once in his entire career, and that was against BC after – and he got caught at like the two. Remember that? It was like a 65-yard run, that game that they ran for like 500 yards on BC back in 2017. And that guy had a great yeah. angle on him. Great angle and on he, him. He also got caught in the blue-gold game, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, by Troy Pride? Uh, by Troy that, Pride. That was yeah, Dexter. He came, that was Dexter. Was that Dexter? That okay. was Dexter, right. yeah. Okay. Um, you know, but but uh, but you know, but that's but that's the point is Dexter's going to get caught on that kind of run because yeah. if you got an angle on him, you're going to catch Dexter. Here's the thing: you don't catch guys from behind very often. You just don't see that. I, Tony Jones didn't, is a it was a four seven, and he didn't get caught from behind against Iowa State or USC. You get caught from the side because people right. have angles on you. Sure. Um, you know, and, and that's the thing. That's why that burst is so important because that burst allows you to get to full speed in a hurry, and you can outrun those angles. And now Absolutely. once you get to open field, if I'm a four five eight and you're a four four eight and you're coming from behind me, that tenth of a second is gonna take you a long time to get to me. Well, unless I'm going from ninety five yards, you're probably not gonna get to me. And mm-hmm. so uh that's the thing is about Najee is no I you know, he'll probably test well, but he doesn't play like a four four guy. He plays more like a four five something guy, four six guy. Yeah. But that great burst, he'll have a really good 10-second, I would bet, 10-second split at the, at, the, at the combine because he does have that, that good burst. And, and he's such, just really good feet, Vince. He's, sure. he's nimble. He can make back cuts really effectively and, and, and not have to, like, reset his feet when he makes a back cut. He's just got that you – know, he'll make that cut, and as soon as his feet hit the ground, he's in running mode. And so right. um, he's a really good all-around back. There's nothing great about Najee Harris, in my opinion. But I also don't know if he has a weakness either. I mean, that's the thing is, you know, he can hammer you if you need to, which is why he sure. has 24 rushing touchdowns because there's a lot of three- to five-yard runs in there. You're not scoring from three to five yards out if you're, you know, a dancer. You know, if you're a guy that's juking and, you know, yeah. you've got to have some straight ahead to you and some willingness to put your shoulder down. Sure. And I think that's the biggest difference between Najee this year and Najee early in his career is he's willing to more accept that, okay, I am 230 pounds. Mm-hmm. I need to use that when it's necessary. And he's much more willing to do that this year. And that's why I think he's been a much more complete back. His numbers as a runner aren't necessarily way better than they were in the past. I mean, last year he had, you know, 1,224 yards on 209 carries, 5.9 yards a carry. This year he's at 5.9 yards a carry. So those parts of his game haven't changed a whole lot. He's got more opportunities this year. He's got already got 214 right. carries in, in 11 games compared to 209 last year in, Total. in 15 games. Right. Or excuse me, 13 games. But he's a more efficient and more effective back, especially in those short yardage and, and uh, goal line situations, which is why Alabama leads the nation in third down offense and why Alabama is in top 10 when it comes to red zone touchdown percentage. Yeah, And that's, what, that's the difference between being a 41-point-per-game team and a 49 almost 50 percent team is red zone success and Notre Dame is a great example of that you know you look at the Clemson game the first Clemson game Notre Dame scored 33 points in regulation if they had a better red zone offense they're almost they're in the mid to high 40s right regulation of that game and Alabama's not missing those opportunities and that's also what makes them so good because again I want to say this again one of the areas that I think people have consistently underappreciated Alabama and their great success is there's just this assumption that, well, they're just, they're, they're got number one classes every year. I would actually argue that I think Alabama recruits tend to get overhyped 
Mm-hmm. Because, because they go to uh, because Alabama. they go to Alabama. Yeah, right. Which is why we see a decent number of Alabama guys never play in the NFL the way that they do in college. We've seen a lot of busts, first round busts coming out of Alabama. I think what happens is is that they are so well coached that it almost seems like some of these guys are even better athletes or better players than they are. And and so yeah, that doesn't mean I think they they're like top twelve recruiting classes. I mean they're still top sure. five. I just don't right. think the, the right. talent difference at Alabama is so much greater than other teams that they're beating teams the way that they are. I don't think the gap in talent between Alabama and Georgia, for example, is all that great. I don't. I just think Alabama is a way better coach football team, and I think that's the thing that people don't appreciate enough about Alabama. I thought their offense in the past got away with just being better. I, I'll say this, and I. I, I I'm not trying to take a shot, but it's just the fact. Alabama's offense back in the early 2010s when they were first winning titles was really just about we're way better than you. We're going to beat you up up front. We're going to hammer you running the ball. We're going to take some shots because we have Julio Jones or Calvin Mm -hmm. Ridley. I think they were much like Notre Dame is now, which is we're just going to be better than you, which is why back then when Alabama would get upset or nearly get upset, there were some games you, – you remember the game against Tennessee, Vince? I think it was 2011 or 2012. Where they had to block like two extra points and a field goal to beat Tennessee, That's like right, 17 yeah. to 12 or that, some, 13 to 12, something like that. It was a, like a 7-6 and six Lane Kiffin coach team. You're not beating Alabama like that now. They just tried to rely on being better than everybody else. So there, the margin for error back then was a little smaller. If you could kind of match up in a couple areas, you could, you could keep them down a little bit. You know, it's why what what they game they lost to LSU in 2011 in the regular season. They lost nine to six. Whew. You know, you're not. That's That'll not never happen, happen now. That, that's not happening. So, and it's because now they've got similar talent, but now they're so much better coached for sure than they were back then, uh, schematically, and that's what makes this team so so good and so difficult to stop. Well, let's quickly talk about uh, the, the trigger man, right? The, the, the man this offense was made for and Mac Jones. And, you know, he, he had some big shoes to fill, uh, you know, no, no doubt about it with uh, Tua Tungavailoa. When he went out, obviously Mac Jones went in last year uh, and then taking over full-time this year. Uh, he's not Tua. I mean, he, they, their games are not at all similar. Uh, but he's got the weapons and he gets the ball to the weapons. And, and I mentioned it before. Uh, he's got a great deep ball. I think it's a very beautiful deep ball, but they give him the option and the opportunity to throw that deep ball. Um, he is not uh, looking for contact in any way, shape, mm-hmm. or form. When, when there's any kind of pressure in his face, he's going to fall backwards, um, and, and that's where you can take advantage uh, of him. Uh, but uh, when he's got a clean pocket, which is the majority of the time, He's going to step into that pocket. He's going to make solid throws. He's going to throw balls into very tight windows because he trusts that his guys are going to make plays for him. I, there was a throw that he made. I want to say it was the Georgia game that the guy was triple covered. And he, he, he got it into the, such a tight window and is able to complete it. Um, and, and, I mean, he's got confidence in not only in his ability, but the ability on the guys on the other end. So uh, he, he's going to put up 50-50 balls. He's going to put up balls that are even less than that. And he's going to expect his guys to come down with it. So there's going to be opportunities for Notre Dame to make some plays. Um, but, uh, look, it's going to be tough to get to number 10 in red and crimson. And that's going to be the key is Mac Jones is not a guy that's going to beat you with a great performance in the same way that Trevor Lawrence will. Right. And, and what I mean by that is I remember the 2018 game against Clemson. I'll say this. If Notre Dame harasses uh, – Mac Jones, 
the way that they harassed Trevor Lawrence in 2018, Notre Dame's going to have a shot to win this game. And I, I really believe that because Mac Jones won't make the plays Trevor did under duress. Mm-hmm. He just won't. And that's not a knock on him. It's, 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 that's who he is physically. And he's not 6'6". He's not a, the athlete that Trevor Lawrence is. You know, no. he, he is just a – he is a he is a drop back. He is – you know, if you like Notre Dame, he is kind of like Tommy Reese was athletically. You know, he, he wasn't going to move around and outrun you. I mean, you know, Tommy Reese got caught from behind by a nose guard from Stanford in 2011. You remember that? Like inside the 10-yard line. I do. And that's kind of Mac Jones. But, you know, he's, he is, like you said, he's the ultimate point guard. He right. is John Stockton, right. you know, and, and Devontae Smith is Carl Malone, you know, and, uh, and this team also has Scottie Pippen, you know, Najee Harris. They, they made a trade for Scottie Pippen, so they're really loaded, you know. Um, but that's the thing is he's an ultimate, ultimate point guard, and, and the key is, is not letting him get into rhythm, making him go through reads, make him hold the ball longer. You know, those are things you need to do, not, you know, get after him in the, in the pressure game. If you can do that, he's not the great individual talent that, that uh, that Ian Book is even. I mean, sure. you know, Ian Book's. A, I think Ian Book's got every bit the arm that Mac Jones has, and I Ian agree. Book's a much better runner. Absolutely. Uh, the difference is, is Mac Jones is a precision passer who throws with great timing, and he knows how to throw guys open. He has great confidence in the players around him, and that's true whether they had you know Jerry Judy, you know sure. Henry Ruggs. Uh, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle last year, like when he took over, or this year when they haven't had those weapons. Mm-hmm. You know, he shows great confidence in the players around him. But if you can force him to hold the ball a little longer, confuse him a little bit, uh, you can have some success. You can force him into mistakes. Uh, and and that's when, you know, because he'll take his chances too. That's the other thing I like about him, Vince. You made this point. He is not afraid to put the ball in a tight spot. Nope. I'll say this, and you tell me if you agree. He is way more confident in his physical ability. And this is another reason I kind of compare him to Tommy Reese. He is way more confident in his physical ability. And I mean, this is a compliment. He's way more confident in his physical ability than he should be. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you're like, right. Tommy Reese was exactly like that because he would make throws he had no business right. making. Yeah, now, the agreed. difference is Notre Dame pushed the ball downfield a lot more back then with Tommy Reese. They didn't have as much of a, of a just like now, they didn't have as much of a, of a short to medium game. Uh, as they did, and, and you know this offense is is better schemed then. But I like that because when you have Devonte Smith and you have John Mechie and you have Najee Harris, you give those guys a chance. They're gonna they're gonna reward you a lot. Mm-hmm. And I wish Ian Book played with the same passing confidence. Absolutely, that that Mac Jones did because if he did, I think he'd be a heck of a heck of a college quarterback, and not just over a four game stretch, but throughout his whole career. You know. Sure. Uh, and, and that's what makes him so good. But if you can, to your point, and you've kind of hinted about this a few times, Vince, if you can get this guy out of his comfort zone, he will make mistakes. Yep. He will miss – He and mistakes meaning he throws a third and five incompletion. I'm not saying he's going to have like three pick sixes. Right. You know, it's, it's but, more of he's going to miss on it, that second and ten throw or that third yeah. and five throw, and, and now you've got a chance to come up with stops. Right. In a game like this, when we're talking about advantages and we're, and we're talking about, you know, areas uh, where, where they could, we could, you could make them make a mistake, et cetera, little itty bitty things, right, are going to be the advantage in this game. Especially early. Yeah. I mean, Alabama's not going to go out 
and throw three or four interceptions and turn the ball over. They're just not going to. Mm -hmm. So you have to take advantage of those little mistakes that they make, getting them off the field on third down, you know, uh, forcing a a bad throw into a tight window, uh, you know, all those different things. That's what you have to do if you want to get any kind of an advantage in this game. Mm -hmm. And and that's not an easy thing to do. Mm -hmm. And, and look, this is the college football playoff. This is the highest level of college football. So uh, there's not going to, well, there might be a blowout, uh, but there, there's not going to be uh, the the difference in Notre Dame's level. not blowing Alabama out. No, no, yeah, I, I know. And and Alabama shouldn't blow. T- I think this they shouldn't blow Notre Dame out based on talent. They shouldn't. I agree Correct. with you. I no, I'm saying you were saying that, that and I interrupted yeah. you. That's where you yeah. were going with it. I apologize, that's right. but that's the point that you were trying to make. That is. Thank you for clarifying. Sometimes I don't even make sense myself. Um, so. That's the personnel uh, that Notre Dame has to deal with. Those are the cards that they are dealt. Yes, sir. Well, well to, to your point, though, Vince, I, I think that when you look at the, the first game against Georgia, mm-hmm. you know, look, Georgia had a lead in the first half against Alabama. I mean, they were up yes, 24 to 20 at halftime. And right. part of that was, you know, they were able to force Alabama to some mistakes. You look at Alabama's first five possessions against Georgia, interception, touchdown, punt, 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 field goal. I'm going to tell you something right now. If Notre Dame gets into the second quarter and that's Alabama's success on their first five or six drives, a touchdown, a field goal, two punts, three punts, six possessions. So one, two, three, four, five, six. If in the first six possessions, Alabama has four punts or three punts, a touchdown, a field goal, and an interception, Notre Dame's in this game. They might even lead because I think Notre Dame has a better offensive talent than Georgia did when you include, you know, who Georgia was at the time. You sure. know, when, when it was J- Setson Bennett at quarterback and not, not JT Daniels, you know, right. um, because that, that's the success. Cause I think Notre Dame has a better, as, as good, if not a better defense than Georgia does Absolutely. against what Alabama does. So, you know, there, there is a recipe. We've seen that recipe acted out, you know, and, and, you know, Clemson did it two years ago. I mean, you, you know, people forget th- th- this Alabama offense this year has been amazing. Absolutely amazing. But that 2018 Alabama offense was pretty flipping amazing as well. And they were shut down by, by Clemson because Clemson forced Tua into, into mistakes early in the game that he didn't normally make. You know, you think about the pick six early where they, they disguised their coverage. I mean, Tua did not throw interceptions very often. Mm-hmm. I mean, Vince, you, you know this. But what, what broke that game open? You know, he, he threw six interceptions that year. Two of them were in the title game because sure. Clemson did things schematically that got him thinking, I, this is where the ball is going to go. And he would throw in rhythm, but they were not actually doing what he thought they were going to do. And then they were able to force him into mistakes. And I see a similar situation for Mac Jones, where if you can get him thinking and guessing and not confident of where he's going to go, that's where you can have some success. Because unlike Trevor Lawrence – He's not going to tuck the ball and run or Mm -hmm. do different things like that to hurt you if you're able to shut him down. He's not going to get out of the pocket the way Trevor did in 2018, where there were some throwaways that Trevor Lawrence made where you're like, boy, that was a huge play by him. It's second and 10, but it it should have been second and 18. You know, if you get to Mac Jones like you got to Trevor Lawrence in 2018, Notre Dame's going to have some success on defense. Doing that is hard, as we talked about, but this is not the kind of kid to the point that is just going to beat you with his God-given ability 
physical mm-hmm. ability. He's going right. to beat you with his God-given mental ability. Sure, absolutely. And confidence. It, yep. it, his greatest asset is between his ears. No and doubt. It, and it's not a big right arm or 6'6 or, six, six or 240 or 4'5 speed or anything like that. It's really smart, really confident. Yep. And, you know, if you can, if you can impact those two things, you, you got a shot. No doubt. So that's our personnel breakdown uh, for the Alabama offense. We're going to take a quick break uh, because we need to hear from one of our sponsors, and that is Bet Online. The NBA is back in action, and football is heading into the playoffs. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Okay, welcome back, Irish fans. Uh, we're going to uh, talk a little bit of matchups uh, here in this segment, and uh, I, I'm 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 interested to see where you're going to head here uh, w- with this segment, Brian. I I let you go first last time. Uh, you took the obvious one, so I'm going to go first this time, if that's okay with you. I don't know that there's any obvious ones on this side. I of the think ball. this one we're probably not going to be on the same page on. I, I agree one. with you, but I don't want to take that chance. I, I want to be able to get one in here uh before you do um but uh my my first matchup uh to keep an eye on is going to be Ade Ogundeji and Dalen Hayes versus Alex Leatherwood and Evan Neal that's that's Notre Dame's defensive ends versus Alabama's tackles and I, I I've said it before and we mentioned it when we were talking about Mac Jones I think the key is to get pressure on Mac Jones make him not be special make him you know have to think about you know, the, the pressure and the, uh, the pass rush and, and all of that. I want to see Notre Dame's two guys uh, who could be playing in their last game potentially. Uh, I want to see them ball out against two extremely talented tackles. We, we already said that this offensive line is a Joe Moore Award finalist. Um, I, I want to see what uh, Ade and Dalen can do uh, against these two tackles. So that, that's going to be the first matchup that I'm going to keep an eye on. Close. You're close. <laughs> and and the, the, the thing for me is it's up the middle. Okay. So, yeah. When you consider they don't have their starting center, right? Um, their guards are big physical guys. My matchup here is twofold. One is I'm concerned about it, and the other one is this could be really good for Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. The concern I have is in the run game. Okay. When you look at their guards and their starting lineup, their left guard's 350. Their right guard's 324. Their new starting center's 315. My big concern is when you look at a Notre Dame offensive line where your quote-unquote biggest off defensive tackle is Kurt Heinisch at 295, and you and I both know that's a puffed-up 295. He is not yeah. a net. When no. Kurt Heinisch retires from football, he'll be down to 250 within months. Yeah, easily. Easily. And, and so I'm concerned about them just beating Notre Dame off the ball and pushing them back. Mm-hmm. And when you look at a guy like Jason Adamiola and Jacob Lacey and Howard Cross and Riley Mills, and these are not big guys. 
these are quick athletic leverage sure. guys. Yeah. And my concern is that Alabama is going to come out and kind of go backwards against Notre Dame and run the ball against Notre Dame to force Notre Dame to get their safeties into the, inserted into the box and then try to create Start some opportunities the down sure. the field. Um, you know, so – and we've seen Alabama do – I mean, Alabama came out against Florida, tried to run the ball. They were in two tight end sets, you know, to try to get Florida to think, hey, we got to come down, and then they took some shots over their head. They're very smart that way. That's my concern area is that Alabama can just physically push Notre Dame around in, the, in between the sure. tackles. No, absolutely. And if that's happening, I don't care how good Dalen Hayes and Adi Ogandiji play against the run, um, you're going to get beat. Yeah. You just are. Because sure. Notre Dame's oh, linebackers aren't big and physical enough to, to – you know, Shane Simon and Drew White aren't, aren't Manti Teo and, you know, Jalen Smith where they're going to be able to insert and, and stop you. I mean, Manti couldn't even do it in 2012, although yeah. there's a little bit more going on in his head than just trying to read what Alabama was going through. No um, uh, But – you know, that's my concern. Now, if Clark Lee comes up with a game plan where he allows them to use their quickness and athleticism to penetrate, now that could be where I think Notre Dame could have some success. And it's for a similar reason, but even more important to what we talked about, what we thought Clemson would do to Notre Dame in the title game, which was you don't want Ian Book stepping into the pocket. You want him getting outside, right? So, so you're going to come up the middle. Well, for Alabama, it's a little different. It's similar, but different. You don't want him stepping into deep throws. You don't want Mac Jones stepping into deep throws, number one. And number two, if you are able to get pressures up the middle, they don't have a quarterback that's athletic enough. He's to not going to bounce miss. that. Yeah, right. And you think about all the missed opportunities. I think of Chase Bryce in the opener. I think of the times that they almost had Trevor Lawrence sacked. If you're sure. getting a, a body oh. on Mac Jones, you're going to have a lot greater chance of bringing him down than you have past quarterbacks. And no doubt. To me, that's going to start up the middle. I don't, and, and, and to your point, I think everything you said is on point. I think you're, what you said is accurate. But, however, my concern is if the interior players aren't getting penetration, they're just going to do, you know, what Clemson did two years ago against Notre Dame is they just eventually said, okay, we're just going to force the ends as far outside as possible. Sure. And we're just going to step into the pocket because you're not, you know, when Jerry Tillery wasn't on the field because when he got banged up, that's kind of when they started doing some of that. And so if Notre Dame's getting whooped up the middle, they're just going to say, we're going we're gonna to have tight pass sets and we're going to force the Notre Dame ends to go outside. And then we're going to use our big, long 6'6 six, six and 6'7 six, tackles, just ride them outside, and then he's going to step into the pocket and throw it over the middle or take his deep shots. Mm-hmm. If you try doing that and Kurt Heinish and Myron Tungvaloa and Jason Adamiola are getting penetration, or rather those are getting penetration, now he's stepping into some sacks. Sure. Or he's stepping up and he's getting hit as he's throwing it, and yeah, all of a sudden yeah. the ball's getting tipped. Absolutely. So to me, the, if Notre Dame wins that matchup, that could have the biggest impact on the entire game because you don't have the same mobile quarterback that can mm-hmm. get away from that pressure the way that Trevor Lawrence could, the way sure, sure. that even a Sam Howell could at times, the way that a Phil Dracovic could. Uh, you know, if they have the kind of pressure against, you know, Alabama that they had against BC, they'll have 13 sacks. You know, I mean, because Phil Jacobic could just make the, those guys miss. He was so big and strong. That's not who Mac Jones is. No, it's not. And so that's why I think the interior battle okay. is, for me, the more important one. If Now, to tie them two together, if the interior players can at least stalemate or win that battle, then I could see a big day for the ends. Sure. Because I could see situations where you have to – he's going to be stepping into them. 
You know what I mean? So, so it, to me, they have to go hand in hand. Yeah, absolutely. If the ends are getting dominated and they're getting pressure up the middle, then they can just do some, some things to kind of protect that. They can slide, they can keep tight ends in, do whatever. Sure. If, if the ends are doing their thing and the inside's doing their thing, then I think that now all of a sudden you're going to see Dalen Hayes and Adi Ogandiz, you start making Isaiah Foskey make some plays that could change the game. Yeah. But no matter how good they play, if the interior is getting whipped, then they're just going to slide their protections and do different things to, to just not let them impact the game. As you, as you well know, Vince, it's a lot easier as, as an offensive coordinator or line coach to protect against ends that I'm having a hard time with than it is interior players. Sure, absolutely. Because interior can just mess with everything. Yes. I mean, absolutely everything. Yep. So, all right, I got one more matchup, and then I'm out. Um, <laughs> I've got – and, and there's a reason for this. Um, I, I've got Clark Lee versus Steve Sarkeesian, and here's why. I thought in the last matchup uh, for Clark Lee against Clemson, I thought he got out coached uh, mm-hmm. at times. Uh, Especially there, there in the was, first half. Yeah, there were, there was some matchup issues that should have completely been avoided, um, and and that's coaching. That that's mm-hmm. coaching. I, I I can only blame Sean Crawford so much. Okay, if you if you match me up with somebody who's bigger, stronger, faster, I'm gonna lose. Like that yes. that's just what happens. And they asked Sean Crawford to do things right. they shouldn't have asked him to, do, and that's not his fault. It, that's exactly my point. So I I guess. I want to see Clark Lee have a bounce back game, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. I, I want to see what he can do against Steve Sarkeesian, who, who is a very good coach, who is a very good offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Um, and so he, he's going to be up against a good mind. And I want to see him bounce back uh, and not have those matchup issues and, and things of that nature in this game. Make, make sure that your guys are matched up uh, you know, in, in ways that are beneficial to your team, right? Because again, if you match me up against somebody who's bigger, stronger, faster, and there's somebody on my team that's bigger, stronger, faster, who should be matched up, that's not my fault. Mm-hmm. That's a coaching thing. So there are people that are bigger, stronger, faster than Sean Crawford. They need to be matched up uh, against Devonte Smith. If, if I see six versus 20, uh, that's a loss for Notre Dame. It just mm-hmm. is. And it's nothing against Sean Crawford. I think he's a great player. Um, he'll be a doctor by the time he leaves Notre Dame. So, he, you know, he's a great kid, but he's, he can't cover Devontae Smith one-on-one. And so if we see that, that's a huge problem. Mm-hmm. Well, let's not forget that the last couple of times we saw Steve Sarkeesian calling plays against Notre Dame, they were just destroying Notre Dame's defense. And, you know, I, I, the 2014 game, USC won 49-14, to 14, and, and that was one of the classiest coaching jobs I've ever seen from Sarkeesian. Notre Dame was a mess that year, if you remember the end of the year. And Sarkeesian called off the dogs. There was like one drive. Remember that long drive when they had the backup quarterback in that like took like 10 minutes off the clock? Because he just kept running it like right up the middle. If he wanted to embarrass Notre Dame that day, he could have. Yeah, sure. And, and, uh, and Brian Kelly repaid that favor a couple years later when Sarkeesian was gone. And in 2017, Notre Dame could have scored 60 on USC if they wanted to. And Brian yeah. Kelly returned the favor by calling off the dogs, which was the right thing to do. Um, but, uh, you know, and then the next year, USC was an 8-16, and 16, but that offense kept moving the ball up and down the field on, on Notre Dame. Now, that was a Brian Van Gorder coach defense. Uh, but I would also argue that this, US, this, this Alabama team has way better players than those USC teams did. Also fair. Um, you know, especially along the offensive line. So this is a, in my opinion, I'd even say great offensive mind. I think Steve Sarkeesian is one of the best offensive minds in the game. There you um, go. And, uh, and, and I think Clark Lee is one of the best defensive minds in the game. And I think Clark Lee is going to be at his best. And I think that that 
it's hard for me to go against that because I was going to, I was going to use a similar thing of my, my number two matchup is the Notre Dame secondary against the Alabama pass catchers. And it's not necessarily just a one-on-one thing, but Alabama's so good at creating matchup problems with formations and calls. And, and it's, it's really hard to, to avoid those. Sure. And Clark Lee, to your point, Vince, manipulate the defense in a way that he's able to protect Sean Crawford more. How do you use Kyle Hamilton to do that? Uh, how do you use your corners to do that? How do you use your linebackers to do that? And yeah. that's why I think to take a little bit of a page from what Clemson did to Notre Dame in the ACC title game, sometimes you're bringing six or seven. Other times you're bringing three, you know, and, and saying, hey, you don't know what's coming. Sometimes we're going to have eight in the box and we're dropping eight. Sometimes we're going to look like we're playing cover four and we're playing quarters because we're going to throw it over your head and my safeties are flying downhill to, to attack your screen. And utilize your weapons. Utilize Jeremiah Wusu to impact this game. Because Steve Sarkeesian is going to try to find ways to, you know, to get him out of, of impact mode. Uh, you know, using, doing things where maybe they, they send Najee Harris to the field as a, as a flare guy to try to get Jeremiah Wusu to attack him and then throw behind him. You know, right. I, I, they're going to do stuff yeah. like that. So you, you have to be smart about how you handle that and how you defend that and mixing up your coverages and mixing up your looks. Clark Lee has done a great job of saying, hey, our guys are better than your guys. We're going to put in position to be successful, and I think he's great at that. I think that's much, a much more desirable trait on defense than it is on offense. Sure, yeah. And Brian Kelly's always said that. You, hey, look, we can scheme our way into points on offense. Defense is about you know, Jimmy's and Joe's. Well, this is the one matchup. Really, this is the second matchup, but really even more so than Clemson because Clemson's got good skill players at receiver. Alabama has a great one and some good, real good ones. With sure. all due respect to Mari Rogers, he's not Devontae Smith, right? And so he's had two big games against Notre Dame. Now you've got a guy that's an even better version of that. And how are you, as a defensive coordinator, going to say, we've, we've gotten smoked by this twice now. We're not going to let it happen the third time. Mm-hmm. and can Clark Lee come up with a way to say, if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to beat us with somebody other than Devontae Smith. Yep. Simple as that. Now, Absolutely. much easier said than done, which is why he has 98 catches in 11 games. Sure. But I think Clark Lee is capable of it, and I think Clark Lee has the kind of weapons to, to do that. I mean, when you talk about Dalen Hayes as a cover player, you know, uh, Dalen Hayes in coverage against Najee Harris, there's not a lot of defensive ends that Alabama's face that can cover Najee Harris. Notre Dame has one. Notre Dame has a couple, actually, but more so Dalen Hayes because he's so experienced. Alabama, with all due respect, everybody else they played, they've never faced a linebacker like Jeremiah Wusu this season. Sure. Right? There's not another 6'4 safety that can run like Kyle Hamilton. Right? Those are your weapons. How do you use them? Use How do you use you them use to – to limit Alabama's greatness. And again, can you keep them in the thirties? And, and yeah. if, if, if Clark Lee is able to keep Alabama in the thirties and regulation, then, then he's going to require a, 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 in my opinion, Notre Dame should give him a bonus on his way out the door, whenever that is, <laughs> um, you know, cause that's going to be a brilliant coaching job. And now, and Vanderbilt should already give him a pay raise already. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, but that's an, that's the, that's, I think that's a great one, Vince. I'm actually not even going to give you my second matchup because I think that was such a good one that Ooh. we're just going to end on talking about that one. Like, Man. because that one to me is, is, is more important than any other personal matchup 
because it's about Clark sure. Lee finding ways to avoid Sean Absolutely. Crawford being here or Clarence Lewis being in a one-on-one with no safety help against Devonte Smith on the right. outside or whatever. Right. Um, you know, and then counterpunching. You know, Absolutely. what does Clark Lee do? And and those are going to be some interesting things. Can he make adjustments as quickly as he did in the North Carolina game? Because I'll say this: North Carolina doesn't have a Devonte Smith, but North Carolina's got very very good weapons. Mm-hmm. If you look at the numbers of North Carolina's offense against everyone not named Notre Dame, they're almost identical to Alabama. And in some areas, like yards per game, significantly better than Alabama. Can Clark Lee work that magic again? We'll see. It was a the pretty big good difference is the offensive line. That's the one big difference. Yeah, for sure. But if he can do that again and push the right buttons to slow them down and kind of get and kind of have a similar, if you can hold them, here's, here's my, here, here's the end of the day, Vince. I'll leave with this. If no, if Clark Lee can do what he needs to do to make this a, a 10 point or less third quarter game where Notre Dame starts the third quarter with the ball, let's say down 10 or less. I think Notre Dame can win this game. What you can't do is you can't get into a situation where you're down like they were against Clemson. Now, a big part of that is going to be the offense. If Notre Dame can hold Alabama to 24 points in the first half like they did Clemson, that's a win. I mean, because what happens is Alabama just jumps on you so quickly that you're out of your game on offense, and that's how they put you away. If he can just create enough early stops – to be, keep them at 24 or fewer points, and then Notre Dame can have at least 14 on offense, but then start the second half with the ball. Now, if Alabama starts with the ball, you need to be seven or less. Yeah, right. Right? But if you can stay in that zone, because Clark Lee's such a phenomenal halftime adjuster, that if you're within striking distance at halftime, I feel like he's going to be able to dial up enough stops in the second half to where you have a chance to win the game. I might have said they're going to win. I meant to say they got a chance to win. Yeah, right, right. Now it's going to come down to the, can the Notre Dame offense go, go score for score? That's the bigger question mark. But if the defense can keep this thing within striking distance going into halftime, I'll feel like they got a chance. My big concern, though, is that they're just going to – the offense is going to struggle and they're just mm-hmm. going to keep giving Alabama the ball back. And I don't care how good Clark Lee is, right. you're not That's stopping not matter. I don't care how good the defensive linemen are, the linebackers are, the DBs are, you're going to get blown out. Yep. But – if he can if he can kind of dial up some of the same magic that 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 Alabama or Georgia did early first six possessions you know what was it first seven three punts a field goal an interception and a touchdown if right. you see similar like that in this game Notre Dame's gonna have a chance yep now, I agree again much easier said than done absolutely well and again this is gonna be the side of the ball that's gonna be very interesting uh for Notre Dame and again success it's so important to understand here. Success for Notre Dame is keeping Alabama in the 30s. Mm-hmm. That's success. Uh, so we will see what happens on January 1st. That is a mere days away at this point. I uh, hope you enjoyed this podcast. Again, make sure you are locked into irishbreakdown.com because we've got all kinds of good stuff over there. And I said it in the last podcast, and I'll say it again. Check out the article on recruiting, Alabama versus Notre Dame. It is mind blowing so please take a look at that uh you will not regret your time and you Vince you have not been able to read this because you were in the studio all day since I published this article but I also have something about how it's actually been the Notre Dame offense that has hurt Notre Dame in so many of these 
big matchups. Yeah. I and so I dive that. into numbers. I talk about statistics. I talk about how you have to score to win at this, at this stage in the playoff uh, and how that's actually the key and how Notre Dame scoring offensively could be so impactful for the Notre Dame defense. And it kind of mm-hmm. ties into that last point we made in the podcast. So also check that one out, but we're tons of content at Irish breakdown this week. So uh, lock in with us, not just podcasts, but also the site. We're going to have a lot of stuff. We can't possibly talk about all the stuff we're going to write about in all the podcasts. So you right. really need to, to, uh, to, to be part of, you know, consume both to really get Absolutely. a full grasp on this matchup. Absolutely. So remember, stay tuned wherever you get your podcast, subscribe, you know, download, and uh, comment and, and let us know how we're doing. And uh, if, there's a, if there's a topic out there you want us to explore, we will go ahead and, do, and get that done for you. Uh, but stay locked in because we're going to have uh, keys to the game on both sides of the ball. Those will be our next two podcasts. So uh, for Brian Driscoll, I'm Vince D'Addario. Thanks for listening to the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.